Hey everyone, it's Henry, Mike, and Jeff of The Decentralists. We're still in Kiev with Mike, of course, and this week we would like to talk about a very, very popular uh, communication and social media app known as Telegram. We're calling this episode Telegram from the Kremlin. <laughs> That's a great one. It's based on a, a very, very interesting article that was released just about, I don't know, a few weeks ago. Um, and it's all about the fact that people need to be very careful because, let's face it, Telegram was founded by a Russian. Anyway, Mike, I want to get you started on this because I know you have a lot to say. Mm. Um, but, but can you give us a, a bit of a background for those that don't know uh, what Telegram is and how it differs and how the fact many people have moved to it? Okay, so, um, and I'm going to lean on uh, Jeff to jump in here and correct me and or help me out on this. Oh, yeah, he knows a lot about that. Telegram is like WhatsApp for Eastern Europe, right? It's, it's like a kind of, because Russia's kind of been, you know, you had, you had China that was behind their own great firewall, right? Where in China, there's all of these different apps like Baidu and, all, and Alipay and all these other things that are essentially just clones of American software companies like PayPal and Facebook and WhatsApp and Instagram. Telegram is like WhatsApp for Eastern Europe. And it was, it was a Russian um, copy, shall we say, of WhatsApp in uh, programmed by a guy uh, by the name of Pavel Durev, who's a Russian. You know, it's been around for probably, I think it's got to be at least maybe as long as, as almost as long as WhatsApp has been around because it was kind of a clone. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a, it's, it works the same way. It, you know, you have a phone number, you hook up with a phone number, there's a central set of servers and all this other kind of stuff. And basically, if you're from Eastern Europe, so like um, everybody here, everybody, all the young kids, everybody is on Telegram, without a doubt. Oh, really? And maybe some of them will have WhatsApp or Signal, which is the other kind of similar thing, right? And, and that's just literally because for so many years, you know, the internet came from Russia. And so there was Russian versions of all these programs, just like there were Chinese versions in China. And I think what happened was everybody was using SMS and, and in Europe, SMS actually appeared sooner than it did in North America. And, and the, there was a very quick realization that SMS messages all live on encrypted in servers on the carrier and the carrier being the mobile carrier. Mm -hmm. And, and so people said, can I have something more secure and solutions like Signal, Telegram, WhatsApp came along. And the, in the East, Eastern Europe, they said, oh, WhatsApp, that, that's, that's not been developed by us. We don't trust it. And so we're, we're going to gravitate towards, towards Signal, uh, sorry, towards Telegram and Signal, but, but towards Telegram. And, and that's what we're going to use. And I think the other thing that kind of, separated it is on on whatsapp you can create you know you can create a group of everybody that's in my family or you know everybody on my soccer team and and you can send group messages regardless of whether they're on an iphone or right. android or whatever um but but telegram also had sort of these channels that you could create Correct. similar to what Correct. mike was saying about twitter where you could have thousands of people 
in these channels. Correct. So it, it kind of became a de facto, you know, social network. So as when the war first, you know, when migrants are trying to escape Syria or trying to escape Ukraine or so on, there were cha- a year ago, there were channels that would say, this is where you can get out and this is where the Russians are moving and this is what's happening. And, and, and so Correct. it became more flexible than SMS. And there was a belief that it was more secure than SMS because, you know, there was a belief that it was encrypted and because it wasn't from the West, because then subsequently, um, Zuckerberg and Facebook bought WhatsApp. Right. And, um, and then the other catalyst to this was to, to a, a rapid growth in Telegram was probably two years ago now, maybe 18 months ago, Facebook announced that uh, you'd have to accept these new terms and conditions if you wanted to keep using WhatsApp. And ostensibly, these conditions said that they would re- release some of your information to businesses if you were using the business features in WhatsApp. Right. So outside of North America, if you want to um, talk to an airline, for example, you can chat with them through WhatsApp. And that occurs through the WhatsApp business interface. And to do that, WhatsApp has to obviously release your name and phone number and things to the business. So it'll work. Hmm. So anyway, you have to agree to these terms. People got very upset about that. So it created a tremendous uptick in users using uh, platforms like Signal and um, and Telegram because they thought they were more right. secure. Right. And, I, and ironically, which is what we're getting, about to get to in a moment, turns out, particularly Telegram, is appears we don't know allegedly mm. appears to be considerably less secure and there's a number of strange things that are going on that seem to suggest that the people in red square have access uh-huh. to what are supposedly uh secret private messages on telegram wow well one of us uh, one of you tell us about that uh it, it, the article in wired Mm. Uh, uh, regarding the story of Marina uh, Mazzapolina? So there's an urban, I don't know if it's an urban myth, okay, or if it's reality, all right? But surrounding Telegram a few years ago, um, and this was back when it was still fairly new and I was still dabbling around in all of this early Bitcoin-y type stuff, so I was seeing all these different messages on all these different, you know, kind of eclectic, weird, decentralized platform things, mm-hmm. right? And I back then the the scuttlebutt was that Pavel Durov, who who is part of his urban legend, he was a contrarian to the regime. So he was a Russian that wasn't actually a fan of Putin's. Right. But apparently, um, you know, they sat him down at a table in a restaurant, slid a piece of paper across to him, and said, "Sign this, and give it to us." So they, you know, he basically was like, take $100 million for Telegram or you'll won't, you won't see the back end of this restaurant. <laughs> Is that right? And so, so subsequently, Durov left Russia and has taken, theoret- has, has allegedly taken the servers and put them in Dubai. Ah. And so you might think, 
Dubai. The bastion of freedom and democracy called Dubai. Yes. <laughs> Jeffrey, you can perhaps enlighten everybody on what happened to BlackBerry in Dubai. So BlackBerry, this is probably 15 years ago now, yep. had a had an encrypted uh, w- had the first encrypted quasi peer to peer. I say quasi because there was still a centralized server, but it was yeah. as peer to peer as it could have been back then. Mm-hmm. Um, messaging service where you could you could send a message from one BlackBerry to another that was one hundred percent encrypted. Right. Oh yeah, I remember that. And what's kind of funny is you may not remember this, Henry, but you were actually the person that set it up for me on my very first BlackBerry. I actually do because you had that code. That's right. You had to send it. You had a pin code, and and that was how mm-hmm. that was how they decentralized it, sort of by instead of tagging tying it to my phone number, they tied it to this to this code, and it allowed four messages to go back and forth that were not SMS, and this would be before WhatsApp and before these other platforms. Facebook Messenger was was kind of around, but it was hardly secure. And nations like Dubai and other nations like India, I think, mm-hmm. uh, basically cracked down and said, if you want to sell Blackberries in our country, you are going to give us the decryption key so we can can read these things. Bingo. Oh, boy. And um, yeah. And so, you know, just, just demonstrating that, that if you, you know, if you value privacy, you put your server in Finland. You don't go put it in Dubai. So, <laughs> you know. Right. It's it, something totally. it just doesn't just doesn't or add Switzerland, up. Switzerland, right? And, and and so 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 to your point, Henry, to, to take this back to the beginning. So now you've got a Russian technology that theoretically is owned by the Kremlin, that is got its servers in Dubai, which means that the Emiratis, at the very least, have the encryption key. Oh, brother! For all of the messages on the server, and if the Emiratis have it, you can guarantee you the Russians have it. Because it's one of the few places where all the Russians who have money and have left the country are. Of course. Is in the Emirates. Okay. And and so, you know, it kills me because I sit around here and I see all of these Ukrainians, including Zelensky, and 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 the, you know, the generals and the all of this stuff, it's all communicated via Telegram. Because the audience are all on Telegram. At least they're public communications. But it's all completely you might as well assume that putin's got all of the messages oh boy okay and so this is to the point in the wired article where you had this 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 woman who was a in the early days of the war wanted to protest this this war against ukraine right and she's she's like she doesn't even i don't even think she actually even left her apartment she sent some message to some friends on telegram says i'm thinking about going down protesting or whatever it is and then all of a sudden starts getting knock at the door. Doo, doo, yeah. doo, doo. It's the cops, eh? Doom, 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 doom. And and she's like, she said she turned all the lights out. She sat in her room. She's freaking out. And she was like messaging her friend. She's like, oh, I'm just going to ignore them. Maybe they'll go away. They sat at her door for nine hours. Because they could see what she was texting. Not She didn't know this. Kept knocking on her door. Eventually, bust into her place in the middle of the night, because I guess that's more dramatic. Two, two SWAT guys from the National Police. Two, you know black freaking trench coat wearing guys from the FSB, which is the KGB and two kind of like, I don't know what the hell the other two guys were. And they basically, they, they arrest her for being um, for kind of like treason, terrorism against the Russian state, whatever. And one of the guys stands there and he literally takes his phone and he shows it to her 
all of her messages. Incredible. Everything she sent and received from her friends. And so basically not only is, is he got all of her messages, every one of her friends she's been communicating with is now completely screwed. Oh, okay. So, you know, and, and I mean, I think she eventually did somehow get out of the country, right? Like, I think they just scared the crap out of her. And then, you know, she's, she just like the moment those guys left, she went downstairs, got in, you know, got a suitcase, got in her car and, you know, walked across the Estonian border or something. Yeah. But, but the truth of it is, is that this is a, this is a platform that has the architectural problem in that it's sent in that it is centralized. Okay. Meaning that there's a server somewhere that's matching people up. Yep. It's, it's matching people up based on a very easily traceable identifier, a phone number. <laughs> right. Okay. And it's matched. So it's matching people up based on a phone number, which I mean, how hard is that to track? Yeah. And you know, it, 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 if it, it's, it, it's supposed to be end to end encrypted, but the, but, you know, the middle part between the end and the other end is red square. <laughs> I hate to say good things about Facebook and I hate to say good things about Mark Zuckerberg. I know. So do I. But WhatsApp, you know, is end-to-end encrypted to the point where even the NSA has said to uh, U.S. government workers, for no, you, you, can, you can use this for like lightly secure whatever. You can... Um, the, even the NSA has kind of Correct. rubber stamped it. Now, maybe that's because NSA has a back door, but that's another topic for another <laughs> podcast one day. Um, whereas with Telegram, messages are not by default end to end encrypted. You have to you have to turn that on. There's a hidden button there, and I don't think it works in the group function. Yeah, and and then the other thing is all this stuff resides on the central servers unencrypted. Um, whereas with WhatsApp, you know, if I send you a message and your phone is off, it lives in the WhatsApp server until you come back online, but it lives on there as encrypted gibberish. And this, this quote from the article, this, you know, if it it alleged to be true, um, just blew my mind. And I'm just going to quote it from the story. Mm. Telegram's messages are accessible to people inside the company. Every message, photo, video, doc, sent, received for the past 10 years, all your contacts, group memberships, et cetera, (laughs) are all available to anyone who has access to that database. Good God. Glad I don't use it. Anyone who works for Telegram can just read that stuff. Now, you know, it's just, you know, it's just, uh, it's just mind blowing. And again, it comes back to this, you know, this problem with centralization, where if these messages were bouncing peer to peer over the Tor network, for example, Uh um, or I guess we're supposed to say over Tor, don't want to get the Tor purists upset, Um, but for lay people, we'll say Tor network. Um, If it was bouncing encrypted peer-to-peer across Tor, then nobody would be able to read it. And they aren't anywhere. They don't actually sit anywhere. That's right. Right. You know, but but here they're living in in this server. So these, these, you know, this company Telegram, who has basically said, hey, you don't trust SMS and you don't trust Mark Zuckerberg. You can trust us. You know, if what's in this story is to believe, be believed, and certainly there's a lot of damning circumstantial evidence, then, mm-hmm. you know, then they are, they are not trustworthy at all. And, it, and the other point I'd make, and you've heard me harp about this on other podcasts in the back, in the past, which mm-hmm. is if something is a hundred percent free, where, 
you know, where are they earning their money, right? Exactly. Telegram has millions of users and only 60 or 70 employees. Nevertheless, those employees need to be paid. They got tremendous bandwidth costs. They're operating servers. They're doing all mm-hmm. this. But you can just download Telegram, Henry, and I can send you a message and it's completely free and I can oh, yeah. set up that. Mm-hmm. I can do whatever, right? So again, I'm always suspicious when I say, and WhatsApp, similar story, except WhatsApp has, you know, a trillion dollar company of Facebook behind it, keeping the lights on, right? And very public uh, spotlight on it. But like, how does Telegram keep the lights on? How do they keep the servers running? How do they do all this stuff? If uh, Signal has, you know, this billionaire. Yep. um, Former WhatsApp founder. Former WhatsApp founder, billionaire uh, patron who is just pouring money into them. But where is Telegram getting its money? And, and that's the other thing that I that that always causes me to to become suspicious. German oil imports, apparently. <laughs> you know, I mean, so to me, right? The and, and I and I I literally I go nuts, right? I go nuts on the on the guys sometimes, guys and girls downstairs and stuff. In the fact that you know everything else in this country that is in Ukraine right now that is Russian is persona non grata, mm-hmm. right? But everybody's on Telegram. Yeah, well. Okay. It, it, and I'm like, you guys know this is Russian, right? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, well, like, seriously? You keep using it? Right? Yeah, yeah. You know, and, 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 and it shows you to, to Jeff's point, right? Oh, it's free. And I, you know, everybody I know is already on it. So, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, but uh, you're supporting the Russians and they're yeah. Sorry, excuse my language. They're killing people on the other side of the country. And a similar thing happened 10 years ago with um, Kaspersky Labs, the antivirus people, right. right? Where they're like, we don't trust the West. We don't trust Norton. We don't trust Semantic. And again, none of these people are lily white clean. None of them are perfect, right? Correct. But we don't trust Microsoft. So we're going to go with Kaspersky because it comes out of Russia and those guys are really smart and we can trust them. <laughs> and there was just this constant set of weird rumors and things where a new virus would appear mm-hmm. and surprise, surprise Kaspersky was the only company that was able to knock it down for a week. Mm. Totally. A new zero day, a new zero day exploit appeared and Oh, it was Kaspersky who first <laughs> found it. Right. And you know, mm-hmm. never any, you know, never any proof. No. And again, this is all, alleged Kaspersky, don't send your lawyers after me. But, you know, when, when Henry, Mike and I all met working for an IT security company and we just kept seeing this over and over again. Yeah. And it yep. was, um, was certainly a coincidence, shall we say. Well, do you think the world needs our decentralized peer-to-peer communications app uh, now that we're <laughs> developing for, you know, Ukrainian displaced people? Well, absolutely. But I think before, you know, and it needs profoundly before that is the world needs to give its head a shake. Yeah. Right. I mean, people need to really, and you know, I've ranted on this millions of times. I mean, it's like, you know, I feel like a broken record, but people need to really stop and think about this stuff. People really need to, you know, if, if Ukrainian people who basically are at war with Russian, with Russia, and, and all of their families and friends have splintered, 
um, you know, with with the with their Russian friends and family are gone, and every like they've gone that far. Um, you know, people need to get away from this like convenience being the most important thing in their life. Exactly, and it's free. Okay. You know, imagine going to a grocery store. Well, if you go down this aisle, Henry, there's the meat that's free. <laughs> and then there's the meat that costs you $2. And you're going to have to kind of wonder what you're getting in the meat that's free aisle, right? <laughs> and and you know what I mean? Like, it's one of those ones. Like, I know, Henry, you're cheap and you would immediately go for the discount. But I mean, <laughs> you know, if you walk in and you see something that will kill you, like milk, right, um, meat, things like this, and you've got like... It regular, it's a $10 steak, and now it's on for like minus 75%. To me, that basically means you're taking your risk, your life in your own hands by yep. eating, consuming yep. that steak, okay? Yep. And, and, the, and the truth of the matter is people need to stop thinking about the, the, the importance of their connections, their connections to their family, to their friends, to the, to the, to the, to the organizations and things to the world, that are really. valuable, to the world, to everything that's valuable to them. They need to start saying, if it's really valuable to me, I need to know where everything is. I need to know who owns my connections, if it's not me. Where are they? How are they secured? And to Jeff's point, how are those 50 people that work for that company actually paying to eat? Well, we need to own our own connections. We all need to own our own connections. Absolutely. And you have to remember, you have to remember if you are not the customer, then you are the product. Uh, yeah, yeah, you always say that, and it's true, Jeff. It's totally true. Uh, and if you're out there right now, think it to yourself, but I like being a product. Give your head a shake. <laughs> and then we'll come back to you with something that'll help you not be a product anymore. Yeah, absolutely, as we're doing. Oh, boy. Well, guys, thank you. fired up on this one there, Henry. Uh, you did get a little fired. Well, I don't blame you. And then there's the philosophical question. Why support Telegram if it's Russian? Totally. And they are killing babies. Totally. Anyway, gentlemen, thank you. I certainly encourage uh, those to read that article in detail on Wired. I'll, I'll attach a link to it in the uh, write-up to this podcast. Mike, thank you. Jeff, your uh, input is so valuable as as always. Uh, gentlemen, we'll catch you later. And Slava Ukraini. Slava Ukraini. I'll say it every week to our man in Kiev. Stay safe. Thank you. Harold Slava. <laughs> <laughs>